guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First, we have the Great Adventure Supply Company. They have cuisines, t-shirts, and merchandise based on like pop culture references and whatnot. Pretty cool. Check them out. We also have the Mouse Merch Box. They are a quarterly subscription box. It's $70 to subscribe, and you get $120 worth of the same merchandise, and they do work directly with the autism company. So be sure to check both of them out. If you click on our info tab, you can see the links to both of their websites. So be sure to check them out. Buy some cool stuff. So be sure to check them out. Buy some cool stuff. Hello, everyone. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Steve. And this is Dungeon Seekers, where we talk about Dungeons and Dragons. And learning how to play Dungeons and Dragons and all of that fun stuff. Learning um, how to play Dungeons and Dragons. So, and it's our first episode. Uh, so, we're going to start with so the basics. First so, uh, what is Dungeons and Dragons? So... What is uh, Dungeons and Dragons is so one of the most awesome games ever, uh, and uh, is but it's a tabletop awesome role-playing uh, game, and uh, which uh, if you've ever played, you know, Skyrim or which, uh, World of Warcraft or you know, Skyrim even like Legend of Zelda or Final Fantasy or any like you know game that's labeled as it's basically that, just on your tabletop. So think of it as storytelling, but in game form. It's also we we like to call it math of the game as well, but you know that that's kind of later later down the line. So, how we got started playing Dungeons and Dragons was actually together. Um, we had a coworker who was like, "Hey, we have this Dungeons and Dragons game, and we kicked some people out, and we're starting a new game. You guys should play." And it was a Disney-themed campaign, um, so that was interesting and kind of what like caught our attention, I guess. Yeah, it was m- it was more like, hey, we're gonna play this game that we're, we kind of are gonna come up with by ourselves, and it's gonna be Disney-themed, and all of you know all of the players at least all worked at Disney at the time, so we were like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. So, obviously, since it was a Disney game, the races and classes were a little bit different than a normal D&D game. So, my first character was a fairy cleric uh, named Cecilia, who was very overpowered in the best possible way. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of things that were... That we could do a whole episode just on what went wrong in that... that or what went right, I guess, you know, depending yeah. on your outlook. Uh, and I was a, a, a wizard 
uh, and that ended up being an undead wizard, both because of the backstory and because of the story. Uh, that was basically the, the bastard son of Madame Leota from the Haunted Mansion, and his name was Gracie. Uh, so he was a human wizard that turned into some sort of undead wraith Like character. within five minutes yeah. of us starting the campaign. So it's one of those we're like, we don't know what we're doing. Let's go into this new game. And like five minutes in, it's like, and you died. And you're like, I, I what? But don't worry, I got better. And it's like, undead. And you're like, oh, okay, no. yep, go on. So there were there were a lot of things in that and not and I, I appreciate our dungeon master that that guided us through our first experience a lot for introducing us to it and kind of just being that first person to guide a bunch of people who had never played before. Um, but it also taught me kind of a lot of the things to not do as a dungeon master as well. Also we were playing 3.5 edition, which was way more complicated than fifth edition was. Well, so we were playing 3.5, but well, then okay. I th like pretty sure that the dungeon master also was still on like sec like advanced Dungeons and Dragons, like second edition, which still had like things like Thacko, which only like the old school people know what that is, let alone can explain it because I still can't explain no, it. No, he <laughs> he would say the word Thacko, and I just kind of smile and nod, yeah. and luckily. Uh, the game has gotten a lot easier to understand since then. Yeah, 5th uh, edition definitely, which is that fancy player's handbook right there, uh, that cover. 5th uh, edition came out a few years ago, and it totally has streamlined a lot of, a lot of different things, and I think is part of the reason why D&D has become such a popular thing now. Yeah, also it's in a lot of pop culture now, um, so a lot of people are like, Dungeons and Dragons, I've heard of that, but I don't know what that is at all. That's the thing that they play on Stranger Things. Yes. Yes, that's I've I've heard that from Which you several still need to watch, by the way. I will you still need to watch. Uh, it'll Spoiler. happen eventually. Okay, it'll happen eventually. Um, all right, so why do we play Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, there's many fun. reasons. Uh, <laughs> yes, there's that. Um... Granted, there's sometimes when it's stressful, but still fun. Um. Uh, I mean, part of it is, you know, it's one of the hardest things about D&D is getting, especially when, you know, you get a group of adults that have adult lives and adult things to do. Uh, one of the hardest things is coordinating schedules. So, so that we have a group of friends that we have basically a standing you know, schedule that says every Friday we're going to meet and we're going to be able to hang out and catch up and do all those kinds of things. You know, it, r it, it really helps us to kind of stay together as a friend group. Well, then it's nice to like, okay, we talk about all the like, the real world stuff we have going on. It's like, okay, now let's forget all of that for a few hours um, and take your stress out on imaginary beings. Um and it's nice to be like, oh yeah, I have magic, and people are like, you what? I'm like, oh, only on Friday nights. Um, but yeah, it's a nice like escape from reality for sure. Um, and I I like being able to like get in character and tell stories that are not my own stories, um, because they're way less 
bizarre than my own stories, even though that shouldn't be the case for I mean, Dungeons and Dragons. You know, you can take a regular story, and when you throw in magic and you know undead zombies or dragons or elves or dwarves and you know all of the fantasy elements of it, yeah, it's you know that's one of the things that I love about a good fantasy, whether it's a good fantasy book or movie or comic or video game or whatever. It's taking those real stories and just throwing you know all of the ridiculous magic and you know all that stuff into it too so i think that's like one of the hallmarks of a of a good quality fantasy story mm-hmm. and a lot of the times you know with with dnd you know it's when you first explain it to a person and, and you call it a game a lot of people are you know one of the first things is okay well how do you win or so like are you fighting against each other or you know like you know what what is it and it's basically you know it it is a game but at the end of the day it's also a story that you're telling with your friends and you Mm -hmm. tell it all together and i think that's one of the best things and you know you when you're playing you know you play a game of monopoly and you know it's probably going to go down you know like one of like two or three different ways you play a game of D &D and every single game every single session every single time you sit down and play it's going to be something different and it's not necessarily something you can even plan for. Like, it's one of those because you have different people at the table and they're all playing different characters and go about it a different way. Like, you can play the exact same campaign with a different group of people and it won't be exactly the same. I have that exact thing going on right now because uh, I, so I s- kind of have been doing the dungeon mastering or the game running or whatever you want to call it uh, for our group for the better part of three years now, three or four years, I would say. just about. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of homebrewed our first campaign and then took that campaign and uh, now play it uh, at my school where I'm a teacher and I have a D&D club for an after school club. So m- I took that campaign, playing it with a bunch of middle school kids and there are a lot of things that you would expect to go the same way and a lot of things that go completely differently. And it's great, you know, like you said, playing the same game, the same campaign with two different groups and having completely different results. And it's different than a lot of games in that you as the player, even if there's, you know, six people in the group, you as just one player have a lot of power to determine where the game actually goes for better or for worse. Um, whether or not that their characters, you know, listen to your character is a whole nother story. But sometimes, you know, you you end up going on a side quest that, you know, completely takes you away from exactly what you guys are supposed to be doing and then everyone forgets what you're doing and then there's an existential crisis or two involved. Um, and that, in a nutshell, I think is what makes D&D so different from anything that anyone else really thinks of as a game. Yeah, and I mean, you can, you know, it's like taking a game like, you know, one of those massive online games like World of Warcraft or, you know, Grand Theft Auto or any game. You can spend hours and hours just, you know, messing around with it and just running around doing some, like, random stuff and never advancing the actual story or the quest that you're supposed to be doing or anything like that. And it's a very similar with D&D. Uh, but all the while you're still having fun, you're still telling a story. You know, it does. that's one of the great things is that there's no, you know, most of the time, there's no time limit. There's no... You know, you have to get this certain thing done in this certain amount of time or bad things are going to happen. Now, and there's no limit to the content 
ether. Like in a video game, eventually you're going to run out of stuff to do. With Dungeons and Dragons, you're really just limited by the imaginations of everybody sitting in the room. Yeah, depending on the story, you're never going to, you know, hit that like invisible wall where, you know, you're not allowed to go any further, that kind of thing. Now, a DM might strongly hint or encourage you to do otherwise or to turn back, and there are certain ways to do that. Uh, but certainly, th there's nothing that says no. You, I can't do that. I mean. Sometimes a DM might, you know, sit a character down and explain to that character what they should be doing versus what they are doing within the world of the game. Th that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, basically why we like to play is because it's an escape from the real world and usually pretty hilarious, at least. Um, I mean, like I, I think I pretty much summed it up because it's fun. Like, yeah. there are, there are fun things that you you know, it's fun to tell the story together. It's fun to just joke around and mess around with your group of friends. Um, it's fun to watch people roll really low numbers and see what happens. Oh or yeah, or really you know, high numbers and see what happens. Yeah, these dice in front of you are basically, you know, as much as you are the storyteller, the dice are kind of, you know, what will determine a lot of things in it, and and you know, basically you're reacting from that and, and the kinds of things that, you know, will randomly be assigned to you. It's like Just a like choose your own adventure story and the dice are telling you what page to turn to. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Enough with that one all by myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, I know a lot of people who, you know, I say I play Dungeons and Dragons and like, okay, how, how do I do that? Like, how do I get started playing? Like, where, where did you find people to play Dungeons and Dragons with? Um, which, in general, we've played with coworkers. Um, so it it used to kind of be like like you know, like scoring drugs almost, where it's like you have to know a guy. You know, you have to know a guy that knows a guy in order to get started. You gotta know someone that's either already playing or, you know, knows someone that is also looking for a group or something like that. But now, thanks to a lot of comic book shops and like gaming stores and that kind of stuff, you know, you can even go there and, and see, you know, who is interested if you don't know anybody. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people are interested, but they don't know how to get started and they don't know anybody else, you know, because especially until very recently, all nerdy things kind of had that negative connotation and that thing that you didn't really want people to know yeah. that you were interested yeah, in these things. It was kind of under the radar Yeah, sort of it was thing. very low-key and very like, you know, like, don't tell anybody, but I'm a closeted D&D &D fan and, you know. And I feel like, you know, things like Game of Thrones and Stranger Things, like, kind of brought the inner nerd out of a lot of people. They're like wait a minute, like, this stuff's actually kind of cool, but, like, I don't know where to find this kind of stuff. And not only do comic book stores have, you know, a lot of people who are interested in such things, a lot of times they'll have, like, an open play, like, D&D &D night. Like, I know some of the local ones around here, like, I've seen one that does, like, a Thursday night open D&D &D or Saturday night open D&D &D game. And, like, they'll teach you how to play and one thing I've noticed is D&D &D players aren't like 
super judgmental of new players that are like, ooh, ooh, let me show you how to do this because it's really cool. Yeah, no, and and new players are the best because you get to you get to teach them all these new things and you get to watch you know, watch them get sucked into it right before you and, and get super involved and that's one of the best things to, to sit and, and watch new people try and figure this out. And you know, it's one of those things where you know, sometimes when you when you find a new thing, you can kind of struggle with it at first, but I think especially thanks to fifth edition now, uh, you don't really struggle with it as much, especially if you have those people to guide you with it. It's just, it's the entire thing is a learning process, even with us still. Uh, so the, the learning process in and of itself is part of the adventure. And also I feel like new players are always very excited. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times, like when you've been playing with a group for a while, not necessarily that it gets boring, but you guys like fall into routines and then you're someone new and they're like excited and they want to role play and everyone's like, oh, I, lo I love new players. Let's make it as like awesome for them as possible because I remember when I started playing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, I mean, one of the tips that I would have is, you know, if you are that, you know, first, you know, ask around because y you never know who is going to be interested in that kind of thing until you kind of ask, you know, uh, but then go to that comic book store, you know, see, or, you know, that, that gaming store who or wherever that, uh, you know, maybe has those nights, or if not, you can meet people there to kind of like, you know, network and branch out. Uh, and, you know, ideally your, your core group, especially at first, and if, you know, if your dungeon master or your DM or your game runner, whoever it is, uh, if they are also new to it, do them a favor and try and maybe minimize the group to maybe about four or five people. That's kind of the sweet spot, especially for beginners. Uh, because having, you know, six, seven, eight people at a table can get very hectic. And sometimes it's a little bit harder to control. And sometimes in that kind of thing, you know, it gets hard to make sure that everybody at the table is having their fair shake of the game. Yeah, it's one of those big games can be fun but the smaller groups, it's, I don't want to say a better experience, but it's definitely a better place to start. Um, I feel like when you have bigger groups, things are going to be a little bit slower moving, but then when you get into fights and things, the I feel like the DM's going to be like, okay, hurry up, we have six people to get through for this round, like, you need to know what you're doing. And for a new player, you're just like, I... I don't even know what I can do yet. What do you mean I need to know what I'm doing? Um, so smaller groups, and you know, especially if it's if it's all new people, it's nice that you're all kind of learning together. If you have one or two people who have played before, like you know, they m they might be a bit quicker to you know know what they're doing on their turn, that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean they're going to like rush you. They know that you're new and. A lot of times, you know, they'll be like, hey, you can do this. I don't know if you know this, um, which is incredibly helpful. They're like, I have a book of spells in front of me, and I don't know what any of this means. Yeah, it'd be great, you know, in a, in a perfect world. You know, you get, you know, maybe you're your game runner that has a little bit of experience, and then one other player that's kind of your ringer that, you know, knows most of the rules and knows the kind of stuff to do. Um, and that can just go and wing it and go out and kind of showcase all of these different things you're able to do. Because you can kind of just be sitting there and go, wait, I can do that? Like, wait, wait, what's, wait, what's happening? And 
it can get kind of overwhelming at first, especially when, you know, if you're used to that kind of that video game mindset where with certain games you can only interact with your environment to a certain extent. But D&D, it's just, you know, it's that live, living, breathing game where anything that you can and do and, you know, anything has consequences. Which, for a lot of newer players, is kind of hard to get a grasp of, I feel like. Um, just especially if you've played video games, when you're like, wait, this actually, like, you know, three weeks from now, this has a consequence? But, like... It's a game, and I think in that sense, like, as you get more into it, it starts to feel, like, more real, I guess. When you start, you're still kind of a little standoffish a lot of times, um, you know, depending, but I feel like a lot of new players are a little, like, they're afraid to get into character, like, they're afraid of doing something wrong, and it's not so much that you can't do anything wrong because you can, but you have to kind of like look at it like as would your character think it's wrong? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that whole thing of right and wrong and, you know, there, there's no, there's no mistakes to be made necessarily. You know, you can play a certain way and, and, you know, make a decision and maybe it's the wrong decision. But at the end of the day, it's still a decision. It, if it's going to have consequences, then that's just going to, you know, make it that much more interesting. You know, the, in a perfect world when everything runs great and, you know, th there's no books that, you know, where nothing happens and everything works out perfectly. It's you know, boring. That's kinda, yeah, it's boring. So to have a, a game where most of the time things are going to go wrong, I even if you do have a plan, uh, you know, that's the great thing about Murphy's Law. If things can go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Any other advice for someone who's recently getting started? Uh, I could have a bunch of advice for, for new DMs. I don't know about you. You've DM'd a little bit too. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things you learn very quickly whether you're meant to, to be a DM or not, I feel like. Uh, it, it definitely, it takes a lot of planning, a lot of research, in because, I mean, you know, at least if you kind of are that, that person that really wants to tell a really good story, you kind of have to know the rules to begin with, one, so that you know what rules you can break and play around with, because, you know, the gr one of the great things about d, &D is it's so, you can modify it so much. Um, but you kind of have to make sure that you're modifying things in a way that makes sense and that's a little bit more balanced. Uh, I found that out early on when I tried to start, I'm gonna, when I started making my own like magical items, you know, I, I created this thing that I thought was really cool as far as like the role playing aspect and everything of it. And then I released it to the world and to the players picked it up and then realized how overpowered it was. And I was like, uh, I don't, I'd made a huge mistake, but you know, the great thing is kind of knowing the rules and the great thing is that even if you don't want to homebrew a lot of stuff and make up your own stuff at first, there is so much material out there that has been play tested, like the official stuff with D&D and, you know, there's a lot of online resources as well that are great for first starters and t to know what kinds of things you can look into to get started. 
But number one would definitely be read the player's handbook, read the DM guide, and do some research on, you know, what kinds of things you can do, and also have a conversation with your players at the get-go with what kind of story you want to tell. Um, you know, what, you know, do you want it to be story-heavy? Do you want it to be combat-heavy? Do you want them to really have to come up with those important decisions even from the get-go? And you know, have those really hard choices to make, or do you want to keep it kind of more light and funny, and you know, have com you know more of like a a less less intense you know story, or you know, a little bit more laid back and casual. So those are all things to talk about with your group when you're going to get started. That being said, if you're a first time DM, the I feel like the most important thing you have to accept is that no matter how much planning you put into it, nine times out of ten. Things aren't going to go the way that they went in your head when you were planning it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you can spend, you know, days planning out this great encounter, and the group could decide to go a different direction and not go anywhere near it. And you know, as a DM, you're just like, oh, but I just put so much time and effort to this. Why don't you guys just turn around and go back? But you know, you have you have to let the game go where the game goes. And I know there's some DMs that try to control what the party can do a little bit more, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I want to say in our first campaign, he tried that a, a bit. A little bit, it but... just didn't quite feel right. That's and But there's a little bit to be said for, especially if you have a bunch of new people, you don't, you know, to unleash a whole world on them all at once can be a little bit overwhelming. So it's okay, you know, there's a term that, in, you know, in in the in D, D, I guess you could say that's called railroading which is you know if you think about a train and railroad tracks you're on one track and there's only so much wiggle room that you can go on down the track you know you're basically set on this path and you're just the people that are going down this path doing the thing you either did or did not do the thing and then you move on to the next thing and it's kind of preset out for you it's not necessarily a bad way to do it especially at the get-go but you definitely want to to at least presume that your your players have some sort of say in what they're doing in the actions and, and decisions and the path that they can take. You know, it's great if you are able to do a little bit of both and present something in such a way where there's the illusion of choice that's even better sometimes. Um, but that's, that's going to come with a lot of experience and that's going to come with a lot of just playtime and getting to know your players. And you could even be playing with people for three years and think that you know exactly what's going to do in a given situation. And then they go and surprise you, and then, you know, there's uh, a cobalt uprising. Yeah, um, and that that's just kind of the nature of the game. Um, you know, no matter how much planning you put in on either the player's part or the DM's part, it's the game's going to do what it's going to do, and you only have so much control over it, but I think that's part of what makes it such an intriguing game. Um, so any, let's see, any suggestions on, for someone who's looking to get started but knows like absolutely nothing? Any suggestions for like podcasts for them to watch or? You mean this one, besides this one? Besides this one. I mean, to, like, actually watch gameplay. Uh, oh, ab I mean, of course, the first one that always comes to mind is Critical Role. Um, 
and because they, you know, it's a bunch of uh, self-proclaimed nerdy S voice actors that you may have either heard or seen before. Um, they're all minor celebrities um, in their own rights, and uh, they they just sit around and play. And it's great because they're all, especially if you get like some of the very first episodes. You know, a couple of them weren't brand new to the whole experience, so to see them kind of evolve their own gameplay and their own style and learning the game and stuff is really cool. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, Matt Mercer is, you know, one of, he's like the rock star of DMs. And he is, you know, I think what a lot of people kind of fall into that trap of the watching them and then thinking that that is just, you're going to be able to get to that level right off the bat. Now, you know, it's like watching a professional football or baseball game and seeing them, you know, watching Tom Brady play and saying, oh, I can do that. Uh, it, it's not going to happen, you know. It, but to get a t uh, an idea of the types of things that you can do and the potential that's there. You know, anybody can play a game like that, but, you know, th these are professional actors. Uh, but it's still a great way to introduce and to kind of get a feel for what the game can be. Um, another good one that's fairly new is um, Relics and Rarities mm -hmm. uh, on Geek and Sundry. It's a little more role-playy, which I like. Um, the The episodes are not as long mm. as Critical Role, and each one can kind of stand on its own from what I've seen so far. There's only a couple out so far. Um, but, you know, if you want to get into it and you you kind of want to get more into like role playing your character uh that sort of thing that's a good one to watch um i've also seen um you know just some one shots a lot of times are a good place to start um we have some friends who stream on twitch um i will put their uh links in our uh, info tab. Um, we have Indigo Chameleon and the Plastered Dragon. They play um, a lot of one-shots and a lot of really weird, like they have um, one that takes place in present-day Boston. Hmm. Um, we played a one-shot with them, um, The Great Sheep Chase, and it was as bizarre as you would expect it to be. Sure. And I mean, that's that's another good thing is that, you know, where if it's set in present day Boston or, you know, in Disney World or, or anything, you know, it doesn't have to be this medieval, quasi medieval fantasy setting. You know, there's a lot of different role playing games that, you know, just D&D &D is the most popular one, especially with the, the way the dice system is set up. But you can take this and apply it to, you know, Star Wars or, or just, you know, sci-fi in general or fantasy. Yeah, the rule set is very easy to translate to other settings. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, a lot of times you'll end up like tweaking the races or the classes a little bit, um, especially like with our Disney ones. Uh, races got tweaked a lot, a bit. Um, like having a Christmas elf? Yes, like <laughs> that. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's just about, you know, having fun with it, regardless of what the setting is or who you're playing with. Um, I mean, you can go to a comic book store, sit down with mm -hmm. a bunch of complete strangers and have an awesome game and, you know, never play with them again. 
And that's just, I mean, A, it's a good way to meet new people and make friends. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a confidence booster to be like, oh, well, this one time in this game, I killed 200 dwarves. Um, Not not that, you know, all of your coworkers will necessarily be like, wow, that's super cool. But it's still fun to say. The cool ones would think it's cool. Let's be real. Um, so we will be back next week, uh, kind of digging in a little more to what you need to get started. Um, kind of digging in a little more deeper. And we're going to try to avoid any comments that could be turned into songs. Uh, so we will see you next week. Um, Monday night, 8 p.m.